0: 6.99 per pound. Six ninety nine. Per, 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 per pound. Per pound. Per pound. Per pound. Six ninety-nine per pound.
1: Pound. Ninety nine per pound. Ninety-nine per pound. Hey yo, it's six ninety-nine per pound. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, once again, we're back at it again, 699 per pound podcast. We're over here. My name is J.K. Cho. If you are not subscribed to 699 per pound podcast, what are you doing right now? Go redirect your life. And I have my co-host, Joanne,
0: Jo-Anne Park.
1: <laughs> okay. That it. Nah, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm really excited to have this on you today for me. Um, And just to give a short introduction about Marie Choi. She is a stylist and a creative consultant based in New York City. Uh, Her diverse work span from editorial to music videos, working with little brands like Prada, Absolute, BET, and an artist that we all know and love, Solange, and some of her most recognizable works, Cranes in the Sky, Don't Touch My Hair. I could just go on forever um but we're so honored to be with you um and i'm also feeling self-conscious of my outfit but we ended up kind of twinning today so yes please welcome the incredible stylist uh marie Choi. hello marie. Welcome, welcome, thank welcome. you for having me guys
1: i've known marie like i said uh when she was more so a singer when yeah. she was personal this music this came out when she was know, personal it's... music um, I to be honest, I didn't even know that you were a stylist. Like I had no idea. Like I just knew so you was Marie. Probably. You know. So, um, tell us a little bit about like that. Like you how know, did you get that's into That's crazy that
2: Actually, because um recently I was thinking about it, and many of the friends that I formed in the past, I guess three years, mm-hmm. they don't have a clue that I. Sing And that that was my number one thing Mm -hmm. most of my life. And actually, it was like the first thing I would say when people are like, oh, what are you doing? I just I I sing, you know, Um, because I haven't done it (laughs) in at least a solid three, four years, which Mm -hmm. I guess is very strange if I think about it out loud, because it is my passion. Like, Mm -hmm. no question about it. Um, But. So, I guess, what what's your question?
1: <laughs> no, so I, so Just it tell was, you about yeah, like, so the transition. Yeah, like, so how did you uh, get into styling? Because I know that you always had good style, but I didn't think that that was your profession.
2: Yeah, I... It wasn't a plan thing. I think that,, um, I pursued music for many, many years, um, more so just like out of the love of singing. Um, and at the time, um, probably when I met you, it was v- it was a really strange thing. It was a very strange time because there was no one like me, and I just didn't know how to approach it because, and like me, I mean a Korean American girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to be an artist, but I didn't know what that meant. And I think a lot of that came from the pressures of being um, from a certain type of socioeconomic background slash, yeah, being Korean, and just like the pressures of my family and, um, I, I feel like I just always had a battle, inward battle. So, and, you, and
0: were they living in Jersey as, as well? So you were very close to them this whole time? Yeah, so... Oh, in Hawaii, sorry.
2: Well, okay, so my family history, it's a huge story because my parents were missionaries. Oh, wow. So when I think about where were my parents at that time, I literally have to be like, oh, what year was it they were here? So, um, yeah, my family is pretty scattered. We're still pretty scattered. Um, but they, they're... They're very uh, conservative Korean parents, uh, Christian, slash my dad's like a pastor missionary. But at the same time, they spent a lot of time um, outside of the Korean American community and with people from all of the world, from like the jungles of Paraguay to, to um, I don't know, like, yeah, Hawaii to... With people from all over the, the world doing all different kinds of things, so they they had a little bit of a more open mind, I guess, than most Korean parents mm. did. So they're
1: much more secular. So yeah.
2: yeah, in a way, I wouldn't even call it secular, but more, I would say free. Mm. They didn't. Um, I I feel like it was it's a face faith based way that they tried to empower me, um, but at the same time, they're naturally. Korean and have all these worries so they would like be like yes empowered but also like don't forget right,
1: right,
2: right. education is key you know or something right, like right, that right, right. so like marry a Korean pastor like that kind of thing so it was always like yes I'm so free <laughs> but then oh my gosh wait hold on I, I forgot yeah. I have to do this yeah. this right, and this right, right. so um, so there was a lot of push and pull mm. yeah mm-hmm. so uh, actually what really launched me into like the next step of who I am is I moved to LA. I had no desire to go to LA, especially from being from New York. I was like, oh, LA, I heard <laughs> about you. Yeah. But I had a friend who was out there recording something and she was like, oh, come, let, let's make this song together. And during that time, I had no money. I had like no idea what I was doing, but I had friends out there doing music. And I was like, that's all I need. That's mm-hmm. all I need. And one of my friends, Actually, put me up in this like illegal compound in Van Nuys in the Valley. Oh my gosh! And it was it was definitely illegal. Like we had to pretend we were not living there. And I actually slept in a recording booth that looked like this, but like very not fancy. And um, that that's where I like became an artist. Oh wow! Uh, And in order to make money and support myself, I. I worked in fashion, um, which was just natural to me because I enjoyed it. And, and this is in
0: L.A. at the time? Yeah, in mm-hmm.
2: L.A. Um, so I would get internships or just – I would just seek opportunities. Um, and my friends that I made, a lot of them – actually, a lot of them worked at opening ceremony in L.A. and we became really tight and that was like our community. But we had, um, we had a lot of shared experiences. We – actually were all um, in church together and that that's always been a place where i felt like the most at home and so um yeah and i even did music with a couple of my friends out there too um, but i realized that i didn't want to be like a a pop singer or yeah it was a struggle honestly i didn't know how i didn't know how to be an artist without. Like, how am I going to live?
0: Yeah. You know, how am I going to support myself? Yeah. So I just worked in fashion. Do you remember your first gig? Like, how did you go from, go about, all right, I can do this. What do I do? What was Music, the first step? Or... In terms of the, you said on the side, you started getting gigs and started, um, sorry, gig is probably a singer like, term for styling, for styling oh, jobs. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, well,
2: I didn't start styling, actually, you know what, now that you bring it up, yeah, my first gig was styling my friend's music video. Um, Ironically, she and I used to sing together, and I would, um, she would do a lot of small uh, coffee shops, you know, open mics and shows like that in L.A., and I would sing backup for her. Her name's Kirae.
1: Kirae. Kirae, yeah. So
2: she um, shot a music video called If You Go and with her husband actually. Oh, so cute. it's like very special. Yeah, and and I helped style that and I had no idea what I was doing. I like bought a sewing kit at Target and I was like, this is my kit. I heard you have <laughs> kits as a stylist? Like no idea. Right. Googling stylists. Yeah, like, the stylists wait, like do. How, do, how to style, like <laughs> where do I get this? Like how do I get it for free? So yeah, it was just very makeshift but the objective was just make it look tight and make her dancers look tight. And so we did it. And um, and then after that, I, I wasn't really styling. I was working in retail, I worked at a PR showroom, I worked at a sales showroom. And then um, eventually I moved back to New York. I always knew I was gonna move back to New York and my first job um was through someone i worked with at the maritime hotel and we worked at philip she worked at philip limb and she basically was like oh come join me Mm. and so that's how i started working at in fashion i guess um full time and that's where i kind of cultivated a lot of relationships um and then i was at philip limb for three years or so and um, after that, I just, it fell in my lap again. Someone was like, hey, I have this artist that um, I'm working with, can you style her? And it was just all word of mouth. Yeah, so actually and it was all wow. musicians in the beginning. Uh, a lot of artist development, because I was helping a lot with um, behind the scenes like artist development, vocal production, things like that, so um so naturally they're like, but you know, you know, fashion, like, can you help out? And I would literally be like, yes, actually, we need to do this for her, develop an identity or whatever. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's how I started. So you never really had like a resume or like a portfolio in the beginning. It was kind of like no. Marie just has a really good sense of style and she's done a couple of these. Yeah,
2: definitely not. Um, I didn't even know what that would look like. Oh, I also did go to FIT for a year to study fashion design. I totally oh, left wow. that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Important. my whole... Yeah, forgot about that. Um, my whole soul-searching time, after I backpacked through three Europe for six months, I was like, I'm going to be a designer, naturally. Yes. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to FIT. My mom went to FIT. Um, and so I, I studied fashion design, and I learned, you know, draping, sewing technique, everything like that. And... Um, when when it came time to do styling and fashion and things like that, I that it came in handy. You know, like mm-hmm. I knew how to sew and I knew about fabric and just um just the garment industry and where to go for this. So that was very, very handy. Um but I will say the number one thing that really helped me get to where I am now is relationship and the who you know and how to cultivate meaningful relationships, namely, because it's so easy to know somebody and to name drop and to hit people up for this, this and that. But it's another thing to form genuine relationship. And I think that's always been the most important thing in my life. So as I was waiting tables, you know, I made really good friends, and I kept in touch with them, Mm. and I still hang out with a lot of them today, and even when I was in L.A. or wherever I was, I always made meaningful relationships, and um, when the time came or whatever, they would hit me up or they would refer me or I would, you know, ask them for advice and they would guide me. And that's how I got into styling, actually. It really fell in my lap and mm-hmm. I feel very, very blessed. But at the end of the day, I back it up with the fact that it's because I I did a good job doing whatever I did before. I. Did it? Or I tried to do a good job, and I tried to be some a person of integrity or someone that people could trust um, and want to work with. So I I really got a lot of good jobs mm-hmm. through that.
0: So you would you would say something like the most successful stylists that you know? They don't necessarily have to have like, you know, four years Background. of FID. Yeah. So like I'll talk things. about that a little bit. So I
2: work with a lot of young girls and boys mm-hmm. who are. Actually, not even all young because some people make a career change later in life and they're like, yo, can I intern for you? And um, I will speak to people who are looking to work in fashion or namely styling. Interning is the name of the game. It is the way you get in and prove that you are there to work and that you can handle it. And it's also very much the place where you learn what you need to learn. And um, so I would definitely encourage people to be bold and and just ask. But always make sure you do it with humility, you know, and be genuine about it. And because people could read that and be willing to do whatever it takes. Because I will tell you right now, styling, people don't know. It is a crazy job it is so intensely f- labor intensive physical labor emotional mental oh, wow uh, financially everything yeah because you have to make things happen in zero time with no money and um, just by yourself. And when you're in New York and you, have to, you also have to carry everything by yourself, it's, an, it's a whole other thing. So it's for not sure. glamorous.
1: No, it's not, definitely. I, I so. definitely think like there's like a misconception about when a person says, yo, like, I mean, there's a misconception about a lot of things in the design industry or fashion industry in general, but um, I think a lot of people that I know <clears throat> that initially get into designing, for instance, they would say, I really love clothes. Like, I really like to buy clothes, (laughs) and I think I should be a designer, and then they end up being fuck-ups. Yeah, uh, I think
0: it's glamorous. And
1: I I think it kind of applies in the styling world as well, like, because especially now, when I, like, just scroll through Instagram, like, literally, like, every cat and dog that I see is, like, a stylist. Yeah, for sure. And that entails, like it's a lot of work i've noticed too yeah. because you know one i mean me producing shoots for instance mm-hmm. first of all like i want to make sure my vendors or my team are well taken care of right. but if a client is telling me a gig like a two days before and i have to put together a team in a day yeah, yeah i'm sorry stylist but you only have a day you yeah. know what yeah. I mean?
2: and that's uh, that comes with the territory yeah. so people are always like I've had friends help me sometimes, and at the end they're always like, you are crazy, why would you do this to yourself? And that's a conversation that amongst stylists we have a lot, like, we're crazy. Mm -hmm. But it takes a certain type of personality to first of all, strive under pressure, which I do, and to be a quick problem solver, which you must be, and at the same time, know how to smile and talk to the client and persuade them what they need to know. And that's it. Don't show them anything else. Yeah. Uh, keep it in the pocket. And then also to be able to work in a team setting with a lot of personalities, mm-hmm. whether it's the, the, the talent, the whether director, it's a celebrity, yeah. or if it's like a, a diva photographer, or um, it's, God, you name it, like yeah it's it's you can never fully be prepared you have to work on the fly and so for styling and for anyone who wants to get into that you just have to know that it is not glamorous and actually funny story is when i first interned to be a stylist assistant or intern when i was very very young it was very short-lived i was like oh i'm good (laughs) like i don't actually have to do this ever because the stylist that i was interning for at the time she was, she was up there, like, she was up there, and she had, um, she had assisted a very famous stylist, all of that, and she was shooting for all the, all the top, you know, magazines with all the top photographers, showrooms through her stuff, you know, but the fact was, like, I looked at her, and I'm like, dang, you're only 30, you look 50. Oh my hey, God. Like, you are always working, and I've never seen you smile.
0: Slash it's like a double horse Prada. Yeah. Like, real like, life.
2: Say hi to your interns once in a while. I don't know. It was very, she it was very, measurable. it just, it was the opposite of my personality, which I try to fit into, you know, working in fashion. But it was really hard because I love people. Mm-hmm. I love making relationships. I don't want to be like a dick, which you. I mean, I'm not saying that like everyone is, but it's it is very. Um,
1: it's a very it, catty. It's a pretentious industry. Yeah, a let's be honest, you know. Pretentious industry, yep.
2: But the thing is, it's changed a lot now.
1: Totally. That yeah.
2: whole like '90s supermodel glamour like fetch me my champagne. Like Mm. that whole, it's not like that anymore because people grew a conscience. They're like, oh, I want, I'm creative, but I want to work with people that I love. And there's so much more to life than like clothes and looking good and all this stuff. So the standard has changed in terms of like your behavior and how not, like you can't come to a job and be this like fashion is life Mm -hmm. and life is fashion. You have to know about the news, what's going on, you know? And, and like stylists are now having kids and like having families. But when I was do, when I was interning, it kind of didn't feel like that. Um, So I decided I didn't want to be a stylist. And then lo and behold, like years later it happened. And then basically I think I, I, I chose a slightly unconventional path to styling in that instead of yearning to do these glamorous shoots in these, like, beautiful magazines, I just wanted to work with cool people and, like, not not feel like I broke my own bank every time, because that's another thing people don't know. Stylists have to pay for a lot of the stuff. Yeah,
1: Yeah, until you get that reimbursement. Yeah, and sometimes you
2: don't get reimbursed. That's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes in order to get that beautiful image that's that creative piece, you're paying out of pocket to either book the studio, I don't know, buy the clothes or whatever. It's insane. And um, for me, I that's why I love working with artists like um, recording artists or like up-and-coming um, talent because it was like oh great we get to form your your image identity together but it's not in the superficial way but it's like yo what do you really like you yeah, know absolutely what's what you know what your style? Ha- yeah what's your style like what let's find that together and that's really fun for me mm-hmm. um, can you walk us through
0: like pr- if we were a client. <laughs> LOL. (laughs) Or just how do you walk through with your client in your first meeting and Uh speak to like the back ends of what makes it so hard? It's not just slip in in between the shoe and like fix their jacket a little Mm -hmm. bit and then slip out. It's really a whole production. I'm sure Jakey can like slip in some of his, For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, well,
2: I'll speak to more because um, there's so many different types of styling jobs. You could style a personal client, yeah. You could style a celebrity. You could mm-hmm. style uh, an advertisement, like a commercial job. You could style an editorial, which is like the the like the more creative things that you see in the magazines. Um, there's so many different types, but I'll speak more to like the commercial aspect of it.
1: Um, Let's just say, like, the client is, like, a liquor company. And
2: right, they a, just, a liquor
1: company. the absolute
2: yeah. can. Right, right, right. So the liquor company either has an in-house creative team or they hire a creative agency, and they build up whatever they're doing, like the the marketing campaign, They'll the imagery behind it, the art director will work yep. with. And then there is a production team. Mm-hmm that could also be in-house but usually it's hired out and there's a lot of freelance freelancing is the name of the game okay yeah. i am a freelancer so basically the production or the creative agency or somebody is hires me right and i am a free agent i am my own accountant my own lawyer my own my own everything my own pr everything right so so basically, I have to negotiate like my rate or whatever. I try to negotiate a rate for my assistant, and then um, and then basically the creative team tells you the vid- the vision, mm-hmm. and they'll send you like a deck. This is oh. uh, if there's a product, then like we have to make it about the product. If it's like a talent focus project, then we have to. Um, basically build the story through the wardrobe. The wardrobe has to supplement the story. And it's very technical actually, because if it's like a moving image, you need to make sure that, or if it's like video, you need to make sure like the fit is Point because you can't have like a bunch of pins sticking out you know so then you have to think oh it doesn't need tailoring are we gonna have a fitting like there's a lot of moving parts to it Um, and then basically you have to come to the shoot with options 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 and that is why prepping for a stylist is um very very important and that's why it's very important to have very good communication with all the channels whether it's the photographer but mo- namely like the creative agency because you have to know if it's if it's a tight shot and it's just a sleeve of a hand, people don't know, but that's a very important mm-hmm. detail because that sleeve needs to be long enough so that it shows just enough wrist, but it won't have that many wrinkles because then it looks messy. Oh, is it striped? If it's striped, it might moray. Like, it's very, very technical. And wow. the thing about these, these new upcoming um, stylists, <laughs> it's, it's great, do your thing, and the creative, uh, vision is there a lot of times, but there. What's happening now is there is a loss of the um, quality of work. Um, so, for instance, if you're working for like let's say Nike or something something really tech, uh, sports centered like and there's a uh, there's like water in the in the shot. The garment needs to be able to have a sort of water resistance to it so that the beads of water roll when you like slow motion that shot. It's super, super technical. And the only way you learn that is through experience. There's no book on that because technology, the world is changing all the time. Like wardrobe is changing all the time. What you call beautiful is not beautiful like a month later, but then actually it'll come back like. Three months later, you know, so you just have to, you have to, you have to train. And the only way you do that is by, by working for free, offering your services, be helpful. Um, And that's something that you have to earn too. Like, I think interns get really uh, distraught because they're like, I never even stepped foot in the studio. I just returned and picked things up for a month.
1: Yeah, that's why you're the intern. But Um, it's important. No, for real. No, it definitely is because, yo, like... I deal with, like, young kids now, you know, I was a young kid at one point, but I deal with the younger employees, um, kids that, like, have really high expectations of, like, what they would accomplish, and they really think that they have a particular taste, and mind you, like, they're definitely young kids with amazing sensibility and understanding of what they're doing, but... Off 9 out of 10 times, like, it's not quite there yet. And it's not because that they're not smart. It's because what you said, experience. Like, there's certain know-how that you acquire through experience.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm.
1: even, like, you dropping off samples at a showroom and understanding, okay, I actually need to check in in this building in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've never done that before... How the fuck are you gonna do that in the future? Yeah, like, and you it, maybe you
2: never stepped into a corporate office, office before. In and the now first you place. learn some like I don't know etiquette. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, Stuff proper like that. ways to be presentable, but be nimble and be able to like pick things up, but not you know. And it's just the ugh, it's very nuanced. It's so nuanced. And then you also learn how to navigate the city because a lot of people are new to New York, or maybe they only go where they go. But I I know this city like. Back. back of your hands. I know where every bathroom is. Like, I know <laughs> who will give you, you know, it's like she's, like.
1: she's like, yeah, I gotta go to that Bloomingdale's bathroom and so <laughs> I'm home.
2: like, listen, but the third floor one mm-hmm. has the good, oh, you know, privacy. a jam. <laughs> That was too much. <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it's something I, I and I'm, I'm a very, ugh, I was saying before, like, oh, I'm a bit of an oversharer, so I'm nervous that I'm gonna overshare, but like, that's not even just to this. When it comes to interns, I'm always like, yeah, but, Try to keep the distance between the interns, but I'm always like, "Hey, girl, <laughs> like, what you think? What, are you was your day last night? What do you want to <laughs> eat?" I know
1: I, I kind of feel like being too nice to interns where you're your because you you you
2: don't um keep that like boundary that's yeah. something because yes. I trust I have some interns that are like, "Hey, girl, back," and I'm like, "No, I'm not, girl." No, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. uh, uh-uh. like, <laughs> I can say
0: that you
2: can't. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
1: not your boy, my right, guy. right, you know right. What I mean? But at
2: the same time, like, I'm very stern with them, and also I'm very clear with them. Like, why do you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? Because you have to know this. And I always try to give them some sort of wisdom. Mm -hmm. If I feel like they're going to heed my words or if they even understand what I'm talking about. Because, trust, I have some interns that I'm like, oh, you are just not going to make it. Or like, you came two hours late. Yes. Are you kidding me? Right. You know what I mean? So then in those moments, I'll like, maybe I'll invest in you and give you all this wisdom that I'm trying to like empower you with. But most, most often than not, I, I think it's so important. If you're working with like young people or new people, like tell like give them, help them. <laughs> you Seriously. know what I mean? Because we want, we want to work with good people. And if they if you don't teach them and you know, God, it's
0: crazy why not you know no, like, sure. like this generation of kids they've just been told that they're perfect yeah. and like they're you're so great and like keep killing it and they go out into the real world That's and it's not, not it's the not case it's not the case <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but and I don't think it's a generational thing I think it, it it exists in every generation cause like I'm sure like the generation before me looked at me like oh shit like this motherfucker is a little too much so I think it's repetitive and all, always like gonna be cyclical
0: they'll all Beast
2: yeah. It is cyclical, but, but, yeah. but in this age of everything's in your face and you have access to everything now via social media, there is a, some wall has been broken. we kind of I definitely yeah.
0: see more like. Oh, I like they're a lot of more know it alls. It's like, oh, yeah, right. I've seen that on YouTube. You mm-hmm, know, right. mm-hmm. I've, I've looked that up. Right. Yeah,
1: that, I think that's a good way to say it. Like, yeah. having a lot of know it alls. Right. I feel like that humility is definitely has decreased. Humility because, is the word. Because, like, if you are like 22 and then you style like two editorial gigs and which you didn't get paid shit for, and then you have 20,000 followers on Instagram, like, oh, okay, like, I think I could start charging people now. And it's like, Yo, Ma, listen, like you don't even know how to like do sewing and shit. Right. Like I don't know if I could pay you for what you're asking right. me for. Yeah, you know exactly. what I'm saying?
0: We actually discussed this at our first dinner. Like when as we kind of get into a position where interns reach out to us, like right. what is a right way for them to reach out? In, kind this, of, in, this, right? in the
1: world of styling. Yeah, I guess, in the world right? of styling. Especially like, like in a field like styling mm-hmm. or fashion where right. the pay is very minimal initially, mm-hmm. but the allure, Mm -hmm. and the interest is very high. Right. Right?
2: So, um, like I said, interning is everything. So I know stories of other stylists and people in the industry that have told me they found their interns through persistence, like through, Mm. I don't know, email, like find someone's email or whatever it is, and just show up. Um, But obviously, be humble about it and don't, don't, um, just like, don't, stay in your pocket. You know what I mean? Like, don't be too aggressive. But if you just show genuine um, interest and show up with a resume, you know, Uh, show up looking clean, (laughs) like, learn how to draft a proper email with, with proper punctuation and a greeting, hello, you know? Mm -hmm. And a thank you. Yeah, and a thank you. And just offer help for free. Because I will tell you right now, another way to be helpful, which is a very humbling approach, is you may already have your interns for styling, but do you need help in your personal life? Like, can I pick up your whatever you need for you? Because that is something obviously they can't ask you to do if you're not like a personal assistant, but like that willingness will set you apart. Yeah, like no task is too small. Yes, and I will tell you right now, and this doesn't go for everybody, but it goes for a lot of people. If you show up like that and you prove that you are that helpful and humble, and you don't, this is a huge thing, no pushback, don't push back. Like if if you're told something, don't like say something, don't talk back. It's a very high-pressure environment. Yeah, people should not be cursing and throwing things at you. But if they're being a little curt because they things need to get done, don't don't take don't it personally. have an attitude. Don't take it personally. Just try to be more helpful. And I promise you, the next job they will think of you. And another thing is, styling world. It's a it's a very. Uh, <laughs> What do you call it?
1: Tribal.
2: Tribal. We oh. are. It's it's a network. It's always like, hey, you know, you know somebody who could do this.
1: And then this hey, show do you know an remembers for this, this other show. Everybody, wrong. yeah, it's yep. all
2: word of mouth. And if you are good, they will refer you. I have thrived and survived off of referrals only, and not only. That's not what I mean. <laughs> but but that is a huge way that I got jobs and was introduced to people. And if you're a good intern and you intern well for a good amount of time and you learn, you will get paid, trust mm-hmm. me, because there is a lack of good assistants out there. And assistants, styling assistants, rule the game. I will tell you right now, they do all the work. And so just just be, be uh, persistent and just stick with it. And Be, be humble. Be, be humble. humble. Yeah. So and, true.
0: and you will get hired. Yeah. No, for real. And I, what kind of hurts my heart sometimes when we kind of talked about this, like, it's the really humble ones that kind of feel apprehensive about reaching out so directly, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, like, what if I'm bothering them? Yeah. Or what if, you know, I'm troubling them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think um, kind of the resolution we came up with is like, you can ask for anything as long as you offer to help. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the approach um yeah it's good that you have the
2: tact to consider the other person's <laughs> you know a uh, situation and if you're bothering them but my well, a huge mantra of mine too is it doesn't hurt to ask yes it doesn't hurt to ask as long as your heart is in the right place it doesn't hurt to ask
1: yo closed mouth don't get fed exactly um but uh i think we kind of Broke down like some of the procedures of like coming up in the game, but now let's just talk about some of the major gigs that you've done that were memorable. Um, I didn't know that you worked with Solange like until today. So like <laughs> yeah. yeah, Let me let us talk about like some of the more uh, memorable commercial gigs that you've done, maybe editorial gigs or working with artists. Like, okay. is there any uh, one in particular that you would like to uh, kick off with?
2: Um, well, yeah, people love the whole Solange uh, mention, which is, yeah, truly one of the most memorable things that I've done. Um, I was introduced by a friend of mine to Shiona Torini, who is more than just a stylist, she's really like a internet sensation. But she built her career off of Hard work and persistence, and I was introduced to her because she needed help. She is friends with Solange, and they were doing um, some. I think Solange was in town for Fashion Week. And when was this? Oh God, I'm so bad with dates. <laughs> I want to say two years ago. Okay,
1: because like a few years back, like I would see Solange like shopping with her kid, at, like opening ceremonies. Right, shit. Yeah, right, yeah, right,
2: yeah, yeah. and um. Shiona herself is like very a very uh, busy person during the seasons, um, so she was kind of so when like, you say
1: seasons for people that oh, don't know like, what that
2: uh, is, like fashion weeks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So she was kind of like, "Oh, can you do solange for fashion week?" And I was like, "Okay." So basically, I just i I helped her pull a bunch of clothes, and it what worked with me very well is like. Solange's style was a little bit more my style, mm-hmm. um, a little bit less like fashion, fashion glam and a little bit more like-
1: Experimental. Very
2: weird shapes, yeah, you know, yeah, And yeah, but yeah. like a Mix very color heavy. Yep. And so anyways, so it was super fun for me. I didn't actually get to meet her at the time. Um, Oh, and that's another thing. Don't expect to meet, like, celebrities or whoever. Like, don't expect these things. Like, be humble. Do a good job. Mm -hmm. You will be remembered. Sure enough, um, I think Shiona was like, oh, like, Solange was like, oh, you got a new assistant? Because, like, the pull was different. She could tell, right? So when it came time to do the music videos, um, Shiona hit me up and was like, are you available? And Absolutely, I was available. I wasn't going to miss out on that. And it was truly the most uh, memorable experience in that it was a creative vision executed from the creator. Mm-hmm. It didn't involve all the agencies that I told you about. It didn't involve... Because she did this as a passion project. So it was a very... Ooh, this, Solange did. Solange yep. did it. This, it this was album. a privilege mm-hmm. because she paid for it all. It was her controlled project. She didn't want anybody telling her what to do. So, with that comes pressure. Uh, it was it was it was it wasn't very structured, you know what I mean? Right. But like I said, I thrive under pressure. <laughs> so, it was uh it was like 18-hour days um in That
1: sounds like something that would Gnarland's, happen in Korea.
2: Yeah, in like Orleans <laughs> heat, um in the middle of summer. Um, I, but you know what, it was, it was fun, it was fun, because it was, it was a passion project, Mm -hmm. you know, and you really felt that in every aspect. Yeah, and we, we filmed, like, and it would just be, like, off top, like, oh, I think we should do it like this, or, like, what about this? And it would just, like, happen, because people were there to, like, execute it, and um, we traveled a week in an a very tiny uh, motorhome. Wow. <laughs> like
0: a couple of us. Uh-huh. Um, Who was in the motorhome?
2: It was, uh, well, there was two. There was like the um, the tech guys, like the camera uh-huh. crew, every, everything like that. And then the other was like the glam, you know, hair, makeup, wardrobe, uh, solange, uh, you know, <laughs> the driver. Um, and
1: So which two uh, videos were they specifically?
2: Don't Touch My Hair and Cranes in the Sky. So those
1: were the two singles, right? Yes. That were a part of the album. Yes, exactly. I don't remember s- uh, vividly what cranes in the sky look like but i do remember i will tell
2: you right now since that video came out i have worked many a jobs completely unrelated where they'll reference that video for the art direction and i'll be like oh yes i I actually do know a little bit about that yeah because i worked on it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's that visually strong it's breathtaking and there's a lot of imagery that is uh, like an homage to something that really inspired her. Um, oh, wait, I remember Stoney. this. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. I was the, like, the Jakey, one with you've the, seen this? Yeah, yeah, the one
1: with the, uh, the, Everyone has the, seen the, the pink fur, evil yes. uh, looking coat. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah it's yeah. super dope. Yeah, I remember yeah. this.
2: And you know, Solange, respect to her because she really, um, she really focused on staying true to herself and what her vision was, like, in, like, painfully so, you know what I mean? Like, like, guerrilla style, she won't take no for an answer, um, what, this park is closed? Fuck mm-hmm. that, we're yeah. filming, you know what I yeah. mean? It, it, it was like that, and it was truly guerrilla style. There was a lot of, like, you know, there's only two people allowed on the set because we might have to run like that type of thing wow yeah so it was it was amazing it was amazing and i would we would sleep and wake up and we're like where are we (laughs) and i had never really traveled through the south before so it was so so great for me to be there
0: and in terms of styling this was like as intimate you can get with the artist yes yes
2: very intimate oh and like There was a trailer full of the clothes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was... Separate trailer. Yeah, and it was a lot of clothes. It was a lot of amazing clothes that came from, like, the far reaches of the world to, like, Mm -hmm. Harlem, you know? Like, And that's the thing about her, too. Like, she really wanted to uh, showcase people that she wanted to empower, too. Mm -hmm. Like, so she would hit up the... Like, she'd be like, yo, there's this kid on Instagram who has this really tight, like silver metallic situation. Can you just find out if we could get that mm-hmm. in three hours? And I'll be like, okay, <laughs> hello. <laughs> you know, and, um, but people people love Solange. So they were like, yes, what do you need? You know, so it was, it was a great opportunity and man, miracles happened. So yeah. what percentage
0: would you say ac- of clothes that you bring to the client <laughs> actually gets chosen or used? Oh, like 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah, people don't understand.
1: Mm, You're prepping like racks gem. and racks yeah, and a racks of an clothes. Point.
2: And if there's a call out for a blue shirt, you best show up with 30 blue shirts in all different types of colors and all different types of textures and like color, like gradients. and Options. And shades. And yeah, it's,
0: it's nuts. Um, is that that part in um, Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, Cerulean, <laughs> the very famous. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. They hold up like two belts together that yeah. look a little similar. Yeah, and yeah but then, those
1: details really matter. Seriously, like, the yeah. devil is in the detail. You know what I mean? Absolutely,
2: and that's I guess that that's what sets you apart too. Um, but you know, it's it's different. Everything's so different these days.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so we talked a little bit about like leading up to the what the work and the production that goes up leading up to the shoot but in the shoot itself like at what point do they try everything on like what do those conversations sound like if you're in the room and you talked about some personalities like Mm -hmm. if you know if a talent is like very particular about a look Mm -hmm. but then it's not good for the overall video Oh yeah yeah how do you manage those things
2: it's you have to be a therapist <laughs> and you have to be able to talk people through things. And I think that's something that, um, again, I feel like uh, comes naturally to me. So it's been a, a I haven't had any huge issues. But uh, yeah, there have been times because a lot of things are now real people, casting real people. And these are not professional models where you're like, they know what to do and they are comfortable doing it. So oftentimes you have to talk to real people about like, you know, body issues and like fit issues and you just have to encourage them and but also make them feel comfortable and be like do you need coffee like what you need Mm -hmm. and uh if they're not comfortable and the client really likes it then you have to then maneuver that negotiate yeah and it's um god and a huge thing is if you know that this is not okay like it doesn't look right and they should really go in this direction but the client's The client always knows? You know, it's the client's money. It's their decision. Ultimately, you have to be able to walk that fine line of standing your ground and making sure, like, yo, you hired me because I know. Not you know. I know. So let me help you see why. And then you have to, like, literally explain why and how. And so it's managing a lot of personalities and sometimes you like walk on after all that you walk on set take the first shot oh it doesn't work because i don't know the thing reflected off the The light or something i Mm -hmm. don't know it it could be yeah the fit is not it doesn't match the other person or the product or something so you just have to be very flexible and work super fast And that's where good assistants and and interns come into place because they will be there like prepping it or like helping the person dress or. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of moving parts. And
1: And like you said, I think one key thing that you mentioned that I I feel like I could relate with a lot of stylists that I've worked with is uh, a lot of them are very much um, verbal judo masters Mm -hmm. in the sense that like. Uh, even though they might feel like okay, this shit sucks, but they know how to um, put word a smile it on a and it and word it, and then redirect it and make it work. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, because another thing I'll tell you right now, twenty percent of the time, maybe the art direction changes. There. <laughs> yeah, last
1: minute. And
2: you're like, but I didn't prep that. You didn't tell me that. And you have to make sure you stand up for yourself because that's another thing. Like, these are creative people. We're not like savvy businessmen, you know? So, so oftentimes I think creative or stylists don't stick up for themselves, but you have to. And you have to be like, oh, okay, well, I didn't prep for that because, remember, in the brief, it was like this. Yeah, like that's not however, what said the email. Yeah, know, yeah, however, A, I could send my personnel and and go, go shop that real quick, or we could go with this. Let's test this, and we'll have this on hand. It's all about confidence, being prepared, having option, like, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like, mm. in the back of your mind, always, always, always. So right. it's a lot of multitasking and problem solving. So oftentimes, I will joke, but half serious, if you could do this job, you can do <laughs> anything. Like, you can really just, oh, God. It sounds like trained. a
0: producer for a film. It sounds yeah, like a producer no, for I, an event, And stylists
2: like. are often the producer, often, you know, it's 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 yeah. it's a hard job. So where do you get the clothes? <laughs> Ooh, that's the secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> I'm it's just kidding. No, I mean it's you could get it a number of places. Uh, it depends on the job, but there are showrooms that will lend you their samples. Um, and
0: what is like exactly a showroom?
2: So there is a press showroom mm-hmm. and a sales showroom. And a press showroom is responsible for their PR. So mm. it's not. It's like getting that cloth, that that shirt on like a
1: someone. Editorial. Yeah, like, or like Beyonce. Putting it on a celebrity. Yeah,
2: or you know, for something right, and then um,
1: a sales showroom. The role sales
2: yeah sh- is the wholesaler. They sell the clothes to like the retailers. Yeah.
1: So So. like a buyer who oversees the buying of a retailer will go to the sales showroom and say, I like this, I like this, I like this. I'm going to put this in the store next season.
2: Right. So the stylist doesn't usually work with a sales showroom. They work with a PR showroom. Mm -hmm. And then also you... The really uh, glamorous part is there's a lot of shopping.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And then I I know a lot of uh, stylists, they get very... uh, they get very uh, smart as well. Yeah. So they yeah. go to a lot of thrift shops and then they would find stuff that might look similar to yeah. something.
2: It's, yeah, you just have to be very crafty. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or yeah. sometimes they might like make something out of scratch. Yeah,
2: a lot yeah. of times you have to
0: just make it. <laughs> yeah so you so there's a combination of showroom but do you sometimes just straight up buy it yeah
2: absolutely Uh oh that's a huge part of it yeah
1: buy it and return it the next day
2: i will not comment on that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of like a yeah yeah it's a trade secret i noticed
0: yeah yeah
1: but um yeah so i think i think that's like a, a good bulk of like we got like a very good insight of um a lot of things that we wanted to know about the world of styling and Marie's escapades yeah. in that world. But I think some of the next questions that I would like to ask is um, some of, uh, stuff that we ask a lot of our guests. Um, number one is um, what's like a very significant relationship mm-hmm. that you've had in your life? Yeah. That's cool. not, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone you love or like, like a
0: romantic. Like mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. be
1: romantic. It could just be yeah. career Mm -hmm. philosophical culmination of both
2: so as I emphasize many times during this podcast I am like relationships is the most important thing in my life so that is the hardest question for me to answer because I have so many different types of relationships Um, so the most significant is like I have like a million best friends I'm that girl Mm. um
1: I mean, do you have a best like? I don't have a best friend.
2: Like one single best yeah, friend. Yeah, like
1: I don't. I, for me, it's so hard for controversial. Yeah, like I don't. I don't get one <laughs> people say. My space top
2: Well, know, like, okay. How about, how about say, how about say, this? Like, yeah, so that's my best friend. Yeah, I have. I have best friends for sure, but one best friend. Um, that's really hard. I guess now. Funny enough, like one of the newest best friends is is the fiance. Fiance. <laughs> Um, he's my, like, one best friend now, but, um, he knows, and he kind of jokes, he's like, I come second to Biffle. So Biffle is my group of girlfriends, that's a very grown-up name. Um, we grew up together in church in Jersey. Um, our parents were all friends before we were born. So we're literally we call each other like womb buddies.
1: Do we hang out together in Edgewater one time?
2: Yes. Okay. I'm sure you've met many of them yeah, at yeah, different yeah, yeah. times. I'm, I'm also yeah. a big friend mixer, so I'm always like trying to make my friends to be friends.. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so, yeah, they um, there's seven of us, and we primarily the core of us, I guess four or five of us have known each other since birth. And like one of one of them, Kristen, were five days apart. We um, we used to like finish each other's sentences, and like the best part about it is this happened like at least three three times. We would just hang out and be quiet for a little bit, and then we would sing the same song, the same part of the song oh on gosh. the same key, at the same time. Jinx. That's, uh, that's crazy. That, that is crazy, right? <laughs> and just like die of laughter after. But like it it would happen. And it's not a song that we were just listening to. It would just happen all the time. And so I feel like these are, these. this is my group of friends. We're all very, very different. Mm. Like if we met today, we would never be friends because we are so different. Our paths would never cross. But those are my ride or die And I'm very, very lucky. Like I said, I grew up traveling the world with missionary parents, and this was in the day of, like, fax machines and telephones. And we kept in touch through letters. Thick and
1: thin. That's great.
2: And I wouldn't see them for, like, years, but we would come back and, like, relearn about each other. And and they have been my best friends.
1: And I think that's really uh, good to note because I've noticed that they say like if you if you are like friends with people like at a very young age, like because you know you didn't you didn't become friends with them because of social status or any of it like was genuine. Yeah, it was just like even if you are like in very different places in life, like you guys meet now, you guys could still have that intimate connection that's very like hard to replicate when you get it get to an older age. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So,
2: yeah, so they're very much, yeah,
0: a support and, group. And I wanted to just quickly talk about K-pop. Oh, yeah. The unofficial name. Yeah. But I know you saw a void mm-hmm. in terms of um, a community amongst Korean American women and kind and you kind of took it upon yourself along with your partner, Jane, to put this, this series of dinners together. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit more about yeah, that? Yeah, I would love to.
2: Um, so my biffle, <clears throat> biffle, we are Korean American women. We were all born here, um, but we grew up in this Korean American church. So we, I think, are very lucky in that we always had a support group. and um, But we notice and we would always encounter other girls that'd be like, oh man, I know I don't have that. Like I, n- I never had that. What is that like? And I cannot imagine my life without this group of like they're my they root me. You know what I mean? They really really hold me down. And so, actually, so yes, my so K Block we started. Me and Jane started it earlier this year. But Jane is actually a very new friend to me. We um, met this year. My friend Nellie and I actually, who's a Biffle member. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Shout out to Nelly. Also, uh, Nellie Choi, Where I have a lot of Choi friends. I don't know how that happened, but we stick together. Oh, and Mary, we, Choi. Oh my exactly. Gosh. Yeah. So we, full disclosure, we're like a bottle and a half in, like day drinking <laughs> wine. Oh. And this is the type of friends we are at Biffle. We go deep, so deep that like, when other people meet us, they're like, dang, your friends are intense. And I'm like, yes. And like, (laughs) I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. We go deep. So we just got to talking and we're like, what can we do with our lives right now that is meaningful and can impact people that have this need as well, and for us, the immediate thing that we think about is Korean American women, and uh, for me, namely, it's Korean American creative women because mm-hmm. actually, me and Nelly grew up singing together, and we, mm-hmm. we we grew up singing at church, and she went to American Idol and all of this and that, and but it was a, it was a struggle, like how do we become a Korean American singer because there it's like the no options are very yeah like what so anyways, we. Um, just started brainstorming and I like got out my notepad and I was like drawing these diagrams, like linking to this, this and that, and how we want to really empower Korean American women um, to just find their identities and be be, more importantly, a community for each other. Because what we found uh, to be the case in, I guess, our upbringing in our community here is that, like, we don't know each other, actually. Um, we know about each other, maybe, or we had heard about the other or maybe seen or been in the same thing, but we don't automatically go, like, hi, you know, like, hey, girl. sister, <laughs> you know, it's oftentimes, actually, let's be real. It's a lot of sizing up. Yeah, like, it's a lot of Who dogging. Is? Mm-hmm. You know, like, wh- what, you know, and it's it's, I hate that, you know what I mean? And I'm so guilty of that. I definitely do that, and I definitely used to do that a lot more. But um, I don't want us to be like that. I don't want us to feel threatened by each other. I want us to be like, what do you do? How can I help you? This is what I need. Um, Let's hang out. And then another thing is, uh, because a lot of us are American-born, we lost a lot of our culture. And this is something that's very important to me. Like I said, I didn't study East Asian history and languages because it was easy. I studied it because I'm genuinely really interested and I want to know about where I come from. Um, It also helps that like my sister is a Asian scholar, like namely in modern Korean studies. And that's something that we always talk about in our families. But like a lot of my friends, including members of Biffle, like don't speak Korean or like don't know this or that. Like And that's something that's really common in our community. So we were like, what if we added an aspect to it where we kind of learn where we come from? And I don't know, teach each other how to like make kimchi or like ask some ajumma to come help us. Or, you know, another thing is where a lot of us are not, our partners are not Korean men. Or if they are, they don't speak Korean too. And so it's like, how can we keep it up for our children? Mm. And... Um, so, and also, we want to show the world who we are, you know? Um, what do you think of when you think of a Korean-American woman? Um, and a lot of us work in creative fields, and and that's, that was hard yeah. coming up, and because that wasn't the majority of what, and that's not what our parents told us to do. So exactly. It was, you know, it was a struggle. So, so that's so, me and Nelly originally thought about it, um, but more on like a, a macro scale, like maybe we could do like conferences duh, 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 this and that. And then I met Jane. and Jane and I, I guess we have a lot of mutual friends um, kind of in the industry, uh, meaning well, I guess creative she, Creative industries like in New York and um, and so we just were like, okay, let's what can we do now? And we are like, let's just start really small. And her her main thing was like, l- how can we help each other now in our careers? Like, how can we support what someone else might be doing? For instance, like, shout out Jenny Han. Mm-hmm. Her book is being made into, or has been made, made into, into a Netflix film. Um, and it's coming out in August, To All the Boys I Love For, and it's, so fun. It's a young adult novel. I read it and it was I was like peeking so out. But yeah, her female protagonist main um, is Korean am- American. And so how can we come behind our sisters like that and yeah. support them? You mm-hmm. know, like we're talking about doing screenings and like whatever we can do. Shadows. Um, exactly, tops. exactly. And like um if yeah, so we just started with a very small dinner. Very small, meaning 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was kind of like me and her were like, oh, who do we know that could really use this community? Mm-hmm. And 10 is a very small number. I know so many girls who could use this community, but we just need to start it small right now. And it's we, we're we've only met three times. It's still really, like, it's not a thing yet. Like, K-Block is kind of what our group chat mm-hmm. is called. Um, but we don't have a name. We don't have this, like, big identity. Right now, we're just trying to get to know each other.
1: No, but I don't even think that it has to be anything um, macro, like you said. I feel like I'm in a group chat with a bunch of uh, delinquent (laughs) delinquent Korean-American males. And, you know, it's like not all of us are about empowerment like we just want to talk about girls sometimes we just want to talk about ratchet activities to do on the weekend but i feel like just to have that sense of community Mm -hmm. just to like if there's something that comes out and then we as a group feel like yo we kind of have our own opinions about it and dissect Mm -hmm. it and then hear other people in the group's opinions about it i feel like that in itself is like a a place of comfort is also like after you get out of like your uh you know primary education like after you get out of high school yeah like as oftentimes that. you lose like that sense of community right. where you have a group of friends where you just talk exactly. shit about every mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. and then to have that in you know like the left side of your pocket you know yeah, just on your yeah. phone like that yeah. in itself itself yeah. is just like so much more
2: yeah you know so i mean for instance your group chat since i know them all <laughs> it, it was shit. an organic thing like you guys were friends yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it just like you just organically became a group chat. K block though, it it's it's a little bit more strategic. Like
1: systematic.
0: I wouldn't say systematic, like, but it I was like, like then not knowing almost anybody.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot right. of people don't know each other and still don't know each other, which is why right now, because we actually came together because each individual person had expressed separately an interest to have very like purposefully this empower women and to do something that like a platform or something we don't know what but how and this is just a conversation so like yes group chats are the best i have very like biffle group chat Mm -hmm. obviously but i have really good like like people that i could shoot the shit with and like feel you know um backed up by but this group we have a purpose that we're really trying to like Work okay towards. we get
1: it our group chat is, is, not, as is great. not as great okay i get it no but, we're just a bunch of hooligans <laughs>
0: um but i from outside coming in like yeah. when i went to these dinners it was truly amazing that a lot of the people in this group actually have macro influence in exactly they right. are writing Characters that look like us. They're oh yeah! Creating stories and narratives that are going to reach millions of people. Right. Yeah. And the fact that like they were seeking to us to be like, how can we add to this story? How mm-hmm. can we make this Korean American narrative more whole? Exactly. With not just my experience from you know mary joy Choi coming from Texas, I believe. Yeah. To Hong your Kong, yeah. yeah oh Hong Kong and you know growing and from Marie who grew up in Jersey to me growing up in LA and how do we make that more of a whole experience mm-hmm. it was it was so great cuz even though we all are Korean American women we all had different stories yeah and that was that was really amazing yeah
2: so i mean that's that's k block i think that um i still really hope that it becomes like on a macro level something where we can come together and speak to maybe not directly, but it will grow and form their own cells wherever they are and just like start conversation, start maybe dinners or, you know, whatever it is and we'll see we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll yeah. see. No, it sounds Good. great. Um, so yeah I I feel like that's pretty much it from my end is there Mm -hmm. anything else that you would like to add Joanne
0: well so we kind of always end with a mantra but you already kind of told us your mantra so drop a lot of mantras (laughs) but I
1: feel like one of the key takeaways from this episode is which I couldn't agree with anymore Mm -hmm. is um, your relationships are key relationships relationships are key humility is key yes Uh, is there anything else that I missed out on Marie
2: um hmm know your worth. That's your always worth. been a big thing for me. Yeah, know mm-hmm. your place,
1: know your worth. Know your worth. Mm-hmm. Don't be too comfortable.
2: <laughs> Don't be too comfortable, but also know that you are invaluable. So mm, you are feel worthy. empowered and feel free in that and take chances cuz it's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It it will it will make you stronger, truly, and it'll make you fearless and that's that's pretty much no, yeah. for sure. Know your work yeah.
1: And on top of that Being a stylist is difficult hmm. so, Ruling it's, it's, it's not an easy job So yo If you're trying to get into that game You better you better start that internship ASAP <laughs> Without just talking about it On your Instagram bio You heard? So yeah On that note There's another episode Of 6.99 per pound podcast I'd like to so thank nice. Marie Choi Luna for coming through Thank you guys this is hosted by your boy J. Key Cho, Jojo, and co-produced by Julie Young of Dreammaker 3D, as well as sound crafted by the venerable Marcus Epic Pleasure Ham. We out. Peace. Peace. Hey yo, it's 699 per pound. Podcast.